This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm sure you all are happy to know that I survived uh, the last couple of days. And uh, we are back for another edition of the Morning Wake Up Call. We appreciate uh, your time this morning. Uh, Helped a a family member move. Something that I absolutely detest doing. But uh, we had an elderly family member that uh, was moving and so uh, I took one for the team and did that yesterday. I'm a little sore this morning, but uh, I survived. So we had my uh, stepson here at the house for uh, Thanksgiving. He came up and uh, hadn't seen him for a while. It was great. Well, I have a, he got me hooked on a game that he's been playing probably for the better part of a dozen years. Uh, it's not, it, I'd heard of it before. I didn't know a lot about it. I'm 60 years old, so I'm kind of out of touch with some of it. It's called World of Warcraft. Now he's got me hooked on the game. He's playing on my computer. Now, I don't know. I guess that's probably a bad thing for a 60-year-old guy to be hooked on this uh, this fantasy game. But uh, it, that's where we're at. And the 60-year-old guy had to uh, call up the uh, young man last night and say, I don't know what I'm doing. Help. So I'm uh, just asking if it's, you know, I don't know if it's bad or not. But uh, it's fun, you know. And, it's, and in these days of the pandemic, we all can use uh, – uh, a little diversion, and so that uh, that has become mine, at least lately. Uh, NFL last night, uh, the longest week in NFL history, finally ended last night with the Steeler-Ravens game. Well, actually, not last night. Yesterday afternoon, the game started at, what, 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, and if you're the NFL, you're probably glad this game was at 3.30 in the afternoon because it was awful. Now, the Steelers stayed undefeated. They beat Baltimore 19-14. to But this game was terrible. First of all, if you're Baltimore, you have to be happy today that you gave them a game, Pittsburgh. I mean, you're playing it without the reigning NFL MVP, Lamar Jackson. Now, I get it. He hasn't been MVP caliber this year, but he's still your starting quarterback. You're missing your running backs, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins. They had more than a dozen players missing from this game. A dozen, including your starting quarterback and your running backs, and yet you gave them a game with Robert Griffin III playing quarterback. If you're Pittsburgh, you should be embarrassed. And if you look at the postgame comments, um, by head coach Mike Tomlin. Yeah, he's not he's not happy. He called it a a junior varsity level game. Um, uh, and, and he uh, they asked <laughs> they asked him uh, uh about the offense. The, the offense had just one touchdown. They got in the red zone four times, scored just once. And they he they asked him um you know why that happened. And he said and he said us sucking. 
<laughs> so he obviously not pleased, and he shouldn't be. I mean, look, you take it and run. Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball 51 times, 36 of 51, 266 yards. Uh, but, you know, Robert Griffin III was not great. 7 of 12, 33 yards. He threw an interception. He actually had to leave the game in the second half with a, ham a hamstring injury. But he was the leading rusher for this Baltimore team who was missing their backfield. So he ran seven times for 68 yards and, you know, tried to keep them in this game, and he did. Um, and, and it looked like it was over. Uh, Roethlisberger threw a touchdown pass to uh, Juju Smith-Schuster with about 13 minutes left in the game, made it 19-7, to and you figured this one's all over but the shouting. Uh, Trace McSorley, who was uh, activated off the practice squad, who had to come in and play quarterback after uh, Robert Griffin III got hurt, throws a 70-yard TD pass to Marquise Brown um, with 2.58 to go. Made it a five-point game. They had a couple of opportunities after they gave the ball back to Pittsburgh. They had them uh, in a third and short. They had them in a fourth and short. Pittsburgh managed to pick up the first downs, and they were able to run out the clock. They're lucky. Now, I don't know that Trace McSorley is going to lead Baltimore back even if they get the ball back with a minute to play, but this was a game if you're Pittsburgh, you've got to win this going away, and you didn't. You know, And whether it was a mental thing where, hey, we know they don't have everybody so we can kind of mail this one in or what, but at the end of the day, Pittsburgh escapes with a win. They go to 11-0. Um, and now they, they have Washington on a double header next Monday. Uh, they had to move a whole bunch of games around because of this one being played on a Wednesday. Matter of fact, there was supposed to be a game tonight. Dallas was supposed to play the Ravens tonight. Obviously that's been moved. Uh, I believe that's going to be next Tuesday now. Um, but this is the second game this week where the NFL has insisted on playing a game when one of the teams was severely handicapped. Roger Goodell actually had the balls to say last night after this game that it was, quote, a great game. Are you kidding me? That's like somebody peeing on your boots and telling you it's a rainstorm. If you had two eyes and watched this game, you knew it was anything but a great game. Okay, there was a little bit of drama at the end, I guess, because Baltimore scored that late touchdown, and they had an opportunity perhaps to get the ball back for one final shot. But they had most of their offense missing. Just like the Denver Broncos this weekend had all four quarterbacks on the shelf and couldn't put up a representative effort, and yet we have Roger Goodell telling us that last night's game was a great game. Another reason why this guy is a clown. And I don't care how many billions of dollars the NFL makes, and you can say it's all – look, it's not Roger Goodell that's done this. It's the, it's the product on the field and the – the rabid love for NFL football in this country. Roger Goodell is a clown. You cannot 
continue to do this. Now, I don't know that, you know, who knows? We may not have any more, you know, situations like this all year. But, you know, one of the things that Goodell said yesterday, he said, we will not postpone or reschedule games because of COVID-19 in a specific position group if we're comfortable that the rest of the team is not at risk, which is exactly what we did in Denver. See, that's a problem because if you're going to do that, you are then making a mockery of your schedule. Look, Pittsburgh was going to probably beat Baltimore with Lamar Jackson and, and their their backfield. May, you know, although maybe not, I don't know, but you didn't they didn't have they, that's like the Ravens starting with one hand tied behind their backs. In Denver's case, it's like starting the game with two hands and a foot tied behind your back. And yet you're going to try to tell us that you're doing the right thing. Now, the only thing I would say as far as the Denver game goes, and I've thought about this since I had my rant on Monday about this, um, I can kind of get it with Denver because Denver created their own problem. You know, these idiot quarterbacks go into a team meeting not wearing masks who, who then had to be quarantined because they were in a room with somebody who was had tested positive. So you could make the case that Denver caused their own problem. And Denver has addressed that. They have fined all those quarterbacks. They haven't said how much, but they've been fined because they're morons. So you could make that case, I suppose. But look, in Baltimore's situation, they have had outbreaks all season, and it's not necessarily through negligence. It, it is what it is. This is going to happen with football and close contact. It's going to happen. And you can't. What happens if the playoffs come? Okay? The, the playoffs come. And then we have, let's say, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, all right? And Tom Brady comes down and tests positive for the coronavirus or is in contact with somebody who had the coronavirus and has to quarantine. And maybe uh, Mike Evans has to do the same thing. And maybe Rob Gronkowski has to do the same thing. And they're, they're going to have a playoff game this weekend in two days. Are you going to play the playoffs and make the Bucks play a game without their starting quarterback, their starting tight end, and their best wide receiver? Are you going to do that, Roger Goodell? Because that's what you're telling us here. And you are then making a mockery of your season and your playoffs if you do that. So I think the approach is wrong. Look, we have seen... Other leagues shut down for a short time. We have seen them say, hey, we're going to put the brakes on things for a week and we're going to you know, get things squared away and then we'll be back to this. The NFL has wanted to do this without a bubble, and I get it. It's much more difficult to do a bubble with a football team with that many players and that much support staff. I get it. You know, it's probably damn near impossible. I think they could do it for the playoffs, although Cadell said in a press conference yesterday they have no plans to do that. So, you know, he said it's going to take partnership and discipline. It's not just partnership and discipline. 
you're in a high-risk sport. There is close contact, and I don't care whether you're wearing masks or not. Their masks are going to slip off at times. There's going to be bodily fluids exchange. There is always that risk. So, in my mind, Roger Goodell whiffed twice this week. And I hope, for the NFL's sake, we don't continue to run into these issues. But why they are so insistent on finishing the regular season on time boggles my mind. What is the harm in an extra week or an extra two weeks if you can do it and preserve the integrity of your sport? Because the integrity of two games this week were severely impacted. And again, you can make the case Denver wasn't beating New Orleans with Drew Locke. Get it. You can make the case that Baltimore was not going to beat Pittsburgh with those uh, offensive players back. Fair, but not a guarantee. You know, but for, you know, it's just not fair in my mind to do this to the teams, to their fans, to the sport in general, because it, it, it you know, we're going to tiebreakers are going to come down to, uh, you know, excuse me, tiebreakers could be affected by the result of these games. So just bad optics, Roger Goodell. Um, other COVID news, the Michigan-Maryland game that was supposed to be uh, this week, off because um, Michigan has suspended team activities because of an outbreak of the coronavirus. There are people that are uh, hinting that perhaps uh, Michigan has shut down the team activities for a period of time because they're trying to figure out a way to not have to play their rivalry game against Ohio State on the 12th. <laughs> uh, and look, as bad as Michigan's been this year, who could blame them? I think it was Kirk Herbstreet who first suggested that perhaps Michigan is trying to figure out a way to not have to play Ohio State. I, I, I highly doubt they're doing that. Look, you could say what you want about Jim Harbaugh, but I can't imagine him backing away and, and purposely trying to figure out a way not to play that game just to basically screw Ohio State because it would screw Ohio State if they don't play that game because Ohio State had to miss a game last week against Illinois because of a spike of uh, coronavirus cases. They've already had two games lost from their regular season schedule. If they lose, if they are not able to play one more game, they will not be able to be in the Big Ten title game because they have to have a minimum of six games. So if they don't play Michigan as scheduled on December 12th, they cannot be in the Big Ten title game. They're ranked number four in the country, and there is a chance that they would not be able to make the title game or the college football playoffs because of number of games that have been canceled. Uh, by the way, this is the third time Maryland has had a game canceled this season. So, uh, you know, I don't know that they're trying to skate out of that game. But, hey, 
as bad as they are, who could blame them? Uh, another game that has been canceled this week, uh, Houston was supposed to play SMU. It's been postponed for a second time. It was originally supposed to be played on the 21st. Then they were going to play it on the 5th. Now it is off uh, because now it's uh, the first time it was uh, uh, it was problems with Houston. This time SMU's program um, has had a number of positive tests. Or actually, they didn't have positive tests, but it was contract tracing knocked out entire position groups. They had more than 20 players that weren't going to be able to play. So, you know, it continues. Uh, other coronavirus news. The NBA yesterday, well, word got out. They didn't officially announce this, but, uh, or no, they did announce it yesterday. I'm sorry. Uh, their first round of COVID-19 tests for their players. 546 players were tested, and 48 of them tested positive. So that is a positive test rate of what? I don't know, about uh, 8 or 9%, because 54 or 55 would be 10%. So it's still a pretty high number. So uh, they were all tested when they returned to their, uh, to their areas to start training camp. Uh, and anybody who tests positive has to isolate from activities until cleared. So, you know, a lot of these guys are going to miss 10 days. You know, now it's possible, like uh, our friend Dan Zampano, maybe it's a you know, false positive, and they'll figure that out fairly quickly. Uh, but they're supposed to open play here in, what, about two weeks. And, you know, we've got 48 players right now. And with the numbers spiking every day, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, I think that that is, it's optimistic to think they're going to be able to start in the middle of December. I hope they do. You know, the NHL is reaching a point where they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do. Um, the NHL already knows that they're going to have to have divisional realignment because Canada, Canada is not going to allow U.S. teams to cross the border, so they're going to have to have all the Canadian teams play uh, each other and travel within the country. But they're going to have to make a decision fairly quickly. They had said January 1st, if they don't get these guys back in a camp here in the next week, I don't think that's going to happen. So I think that's all our coronavirus news for the day. At least I hope so. Uh, you know, I'm sure something else will pop up. But uh, big trade in the NBA yesterday. Russell Westbrook's uh, tenure in Houston lasted all of one season. Of course, he went from the Thunder um, – I mean, he went, yeah, he went from the Thunder to Houston in uh, July of 2019 for Chris Paul and some draft picks. Uh, Houston had an awful year. Westbrook was not happy. Probably not. How can you be happy in a place where James Harden wants the ball on every possession and does nothing but fire up threes? You know, say what you want about James Harden. And, you know, he, not saying the guy's not talented, but he's a ball hog. And I don't think he is a, I don't think he's, I don't think he's necessarily good for that team because of the way he plays, but that's just me. But Westbrook's a guy, look, he was the 2017 NBA MVP, nine-time All-Star, but he's 32 years old. Now he's going to go to Washington and hope to revive uh, that program. I mean, look, Washington has struggled. They haven't made uh, the playoffs in uh, a few years now. John Wall has spent his entire career in Washington. He's averaged about 19 points, nine assists a game throughout his career. Never won a title. 
Um, he missed last year when he uh, tore his left Achilles tendon. Uh, he played in just 32 games back in the 2018-2019 season because of a left heel problem with another operation. He had knee surgery the year before that. I mean, so this guy uh, is a walking mash unit the last few years. And uh, so I don't know how much he's going to be able to contribute to Houston, but I will say this. He's going to a team with more talent, and perhaps, you know, perhaps he'll have an opportunity uh, to win an NBA, NBA title because he's not doing it in Washington. Uh, Washington needs more than Russell Westbrook, but he should be able to make them more competitive. Uh, no question about it. Uh, they've got Bradley Beal. Uh, Bradley Beal uh, is a heck of a player. As a matter of fact, he averaged about 30 points a game last year because they didn't have anybody else. Um, and he was that was second in the league behind James Harden. Um, so Washington has missed the playoffs the last two years. They lost 47 games last season and 50 the year before that. So, uh, uh, so Westbrook to the Washington Wizards um, for John Wall and a draft pick. So we'll see. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I think it makes Washington better. And what John Wall is going to be able to give Houston is hard to tell because, you know, he's played a grand total of, what, 70 games over the last three years. So he's played 70 out of about uh, 240 possible regular season games. So hard to say what you're going to get from him. Uh, the Celtics announced yesterday Kemba Walker had a procedure on his knee. He had a stem cell injections into his knee, and uh, he is going to be out at least until the end of January. So he is going to miss a number of games for the Celtics. Uh, he said he played in pain most of last year. And it was something that he had a problem with in Houston, as I mean, in Charlotte as well. Uh, they're not going to rush him back. He is going to uh, begin on-court activities this month as part of a uh, strengthening program over several weeks. But he is definitely going to miss the start of the season. They, they probably won't update us again until early January. I think at best... At best, we see Kemba Walker back in a Celtics uniform uh, at the end of January. It's 28 minutes past the hour. we got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 30 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on Sports Country Radio. It's Christmas tree day in the Gums household. Barbara and I will be heading out uh, um, sometime this morning, early this afternoon, to get our Christmas tree. Um, I guess they're selling like hotcakes. <laughs> it's uh, everybody just looking for something positive, and I think the holiday season is something people are kind of uh, wrapping their heads around and and you know just trying to find something to feel good about, right? I mean, it's just it's been uh, it's been tough. You know, I wonder if uh, <laughs> I was my wife and I were talking last night about gifts and stuff. And we were talking about stocking stuffers for people and stuff. You know, I, I was just thinking. I wonder if a popular stocking stuffer this year is going to be like. Uh, masks to wear during the coronavirus you know maybe we're going to have designer masks they're going that's going to be in your stocking this year there's something we never thought when we were kids growing up huh all right uh let's get to some baseball stuff because uh, there was a lot of activity in baseball yesterday of course it was the deadline to non-tender players who were going to be arbitration eligible and uh, there were some names cut loose yesterday there were some trades made 
Um, there were some surprises. Uh, Kyle Schwarber and Albert Almora Jr. were both cut loose by the Chicago Cubs. Now, based on their performance last year, <laughs> you can understand that a little bit. Uh, Schwarber struggled. Uh, 188 last year. He did hit 11 home runs in 59 games, but this is a guy in 2019 had 38 homers, 92 runs batted in, and a 250 batting average in 155 games. Now, if they're cutting him loose based on his performance from last year, see, this is where it gets tricky. How do you, if you're a general manager in baseball, it's got to be very difficult now to look at players and say, what should we do if we look at last year's numbers? In my mind, you throw those numbers out the window. You know, unless it was a rookie player that you hadn't seen in the majors before, I think you have to look at what happened last year and say, eh, you know, I mean, Schwarber wasn't great, but he's a year removed from a 250 average, 38-92. How do you just say, eh, see ya? You know, now, it, it may have been a money thing. This is a guy who... Made seven mil last year. Well, he made only made about two and about two point three or two point six because of the uh, the prorated salary. But even still, you know, I guess they're concerned about giving him a raise. Maybe that was why. Um, Almora, another guy who struggled last year. I can understand him a little bit more. He only hit one sixty seven in twenty eight games last year, uh, and even the year before that in twenty nineteen. I mean, he hit two thirty six. I mean, you know, so. You're not exactly uh, releasing, uh, you know, uh, a Hall of Famer. So that one I understood. Schwarber, I'm a little bit surprised at. You know, and you look at Schwarber, he's a guy who was one of the heroes uh, for the Cubs when they won the World Series back in 2016. Um, you know, I, I'm just just wondering, you know, I'm just, I'm just surprised. Just surprised. Uh, another big surprise for me yesterday, guy that was cut loose, Eddie Rosario from the Minnesota Twins. I don't, I mean, I guess I get it in that the Twins have some young players, uh, Alex Kirilov, number one, who they want to get into their major league lineup, a guy that appears to be ready, a guy who was a first-round draft pick, uh, back in 2016, and they want to give him a chance to play every day. He was on their postseason roster, and they want to see what he can do. But Eddie Rosario is a guy that has been in their starting lineup. He's been their regular left fielder for the last six years. Uh, last year, hit 257, 13 homers, 42 runs batted in. He had a 792 OPS in 57 games. Uh, back in 2019, he had a career-high 32 homers and 109 runs batted in. And he was the team MVP in 2018. So uh, he's going to be a free agent, he's going to get a job, and he's going to get one very quickly. And if you're the Minnesota Twins, you better hope that Alex Kirilov is indeed ready to go. The other part of this um, is probably money. I think the Twins are probably trying to free up some cash to re-sign Nelson Cruz as their designated hitter. I'm not sure that is a good idea. 
Now, I'm not a Twins fan. I have some friends who are, Dennis Schimmel. <laughs> but I'm not sure that I wouldn't have kept Eddie Rosario and still brought Cruz up and maybe, you know, rotated him in the outfield, DH'd him on other days rather than spending a boatload of money on a guy like Nelson Cruz, who is going to be 41 years old next year. Now, I get it. The guy hits bombs. He has he has had two of the best seasons of his career in Minnesota. You know, I mean, look, he hit 311 back in 2019 in a full season. Well, he, well, he played 120 games. He hit 303 last year with 16 bombs in 53 games. So, I, I mean, you look at the numbers and you go, wow. I mean, and you, the other part of me that goes, wow, you're going, Jesus, he did this at his age, you know, four, 39 and 40 seasons. Um, so, I mean, I get it, but he's going to be, that's an, he, they're going to have to pay a lot of money for a guy who's 41 years old and is a designated hitter period alone. Now he made what, uh, 12 million. Well, he got a prorated amount. His contract was for $12 million last year. And based on the numbers that he had last year, he's going to get a raise. So, you know, again, I can't blame the twins. I mean, they, they're looking at it like, Hey, we were close, but if I'm the twins, you know, I'm spending, I'm going to go spend money on pitching. Um, not Nelson Cruz, but anyway, so I was shocked by Rosario. He will get a job quickly. And I'll tell you what, if I'm the Boston Red Sox, and and I don't know that they'll want to pay Eddie Rosario, but you've got a situation where you are going to need another outfielder. And it doesn't look to me like, and I was hoping George Springer was going to be on their radar, a guy who grew up a Red Sox fan, a guy who was a free agent that Houston does not seem interested in re-signing. And there seems to be more traction with George Springer in Toronto. I haven't heard anything about him in Boston other than people saying, yeah, it'd be nice. <laughs> but if I'm the Red Sox, frankly, I mean, I'd go bring Jackie Bradley Jr. back. But if we're not going to do that, then maybe you reach out to Eddie Rosario and maybe he becomes an option. Look, we don't know, as Red Sox fans, what you're going to get out of Andrew Benintendi. He was hideous before he got hurt last year. And even the year before that, he was underwhelming. You know, this guy that we thought was going to be the next big left field star in Boston has suddenly become a huge question mark. You know, and you traded away Mookie Betts. You're not you're not sticking J.D. Martinez in the outfield unless you have to. They need another outfielder. Eddie Rosario would be a nice piece. No, don't know what it'll happen, but it would certainly be a very nice piece. Um, now, the Red Sox yesterday had five guys that they had to make decisions on, five guys that were arbitration eligible, uh, and they re-signed four of the five of them. And frankly, one of them I am absolutely shocked at. Uh, they re-signed Matt Barnes, Kevin Ploiecki, the backup catcher, and reliever Ryan Brazier. But then they also 
reached a contract agreement with Austin Bryce. I Look, Austin Bryce came to Boston from Miami. He was traded from Miami back in January before the whole pandemic thing started. This guy had an ERA of six in, in uh, 20 innings last year, and frankly, I watched all 20 innings. It wasn't anything to write home about. So I'm not sure. I think that goes to show you more of the state of the Red Sox farm system uh, than anything that they're hanging on to Austin Bryce. I was shocked by that. Ploiecki had a great season as a backup catcher. He had 341 last year as a backup catcher, but he is not a great defensive catcher. Uh, struggled big time. He allowed uh, 12 stolen bases and 16 attempts last year, so that's not great. Uh, Barnes, I was kind of glad to see. A lot of people thought that the Red Sox would let Barnes go. Um, but Barnes is going to make $4.5 million. He's actually going to get a raise. Ploiecki signed for $1.6. Brazier and Bryce, um, well, Brazier got $1.25 and Bryce got $870,000. I mean, $870,000 isn't that much in the grand scheme of things, but still. Uh, Brazier last year was a bit of a surprise. This is a guy who was a big part of the Red Sox uh, World Championship in uh, 2018. Struggled in 2019. His velocity was way down. Comes back last year in that shortened season, and his velocity was up about two miles an hour and struck out 30 guys in 25 innings and looked more like the Ryan Brazier we saw in 2018. So that's a good sign. So I, I'm okay with bringing him back. Uh, the one guy they did not uh, reach a contract agreement with was Raphael Devers. Now, he's under contract for 2021. He's not going anywhere. Um, but they are going to uh, offer him a salary. They have two months to figure it out. If they don't, then Devers will go to an arbitration hearing. I think Rafi Devers is poised to have a huge season for the Red Sox. He flourished when Alex Cora was there. Alex Cora got the best out of that kid that he has played, uh, and, and he really regressed last year. Well, with Cora back in the dugout and the special relationship, it's almost like a father-son relationship between Cora and Rafael Devers, and I think Devers is going to have a huge year. So I also, but I also think it's in the, they, he was not happy with his contract last year after having a great year. Um, he was kind of uh lowballed by the Red Sox and he wasn't real happy. There wasn't a lot you can do about it, but if you're the Red Sox and you're trying to make sure this kid has a great year and you know, you got Alex Cora back, so he's got his security blanket. You don't want bitterness over money to be something hanging over this kid's head. You don't want this kid thinking about anything but how to make plays at third base. I mean, a guy who made 14 errors in, you know, 52 games last year, that's, that's, that is a ton. That was the most in baseball. So, you know, you don't want him worried about money. So if you're the Red Sox, you need to do right by this kid. Get him a salary that is fair. Don't lowball him. You know, I I worry about that a little bit. Um, the Mets have decided to bring back Stephen Matz. This is another one where, remember I said early, I think you have to forget about everything that happened in 2020. You can't get hung up on numbers. 
Well, the Mets are doing exactly what I suggest. They are bringing back Stephen Matz. He agreed to a contract for $5.2 million. Now, if you're a Mets fan, you remember that Stephen Matz last year was putrid. He pitched to an ERA of 9.68 in nine games and got hurt. So on the face of it, you're going to look at it and say, well, what the hell are they giving him $5 million for? But let's remember that this is a guy who made 30 starts a year in 2018 and 2019. In the last half of 2019, he had an ERA of 3.52 as a starting pitcher. All right, so this is a guy that has shown that he can be a top of the rotation, a you know, a number two or number three starter, and be very, very good. So the Mets are doing the smart thing here. They're forgetting all about last year and saying, "Look, you know, it's that kind of year, so let's just move on." And uh, they're going to bring him back. And and you know, it's a gamble, I guess, but it's one year. It's not like they signed him to a four-year contract. I think Steven Matz is way better than that. We saw it in 2018. We saw it in 2019. So I think this is a smart move uh, by Mets management. Uh, they also reached uh, an agreement uh, with uh, Guillermo Heredia to bring him back, uh, avoiding arbitration. The, the Mets did not offer contracts to uh, uh, Seawald, Paul Seawald, Jason Shreve, Nick Tropiano, or uh, Ariel Girado. Uh, they'll all become free agents. Not No shocks there. Uh, and they did tender contracts to all of their other ten uh, arbitration-eligible players, which include guys like uh, Syndergaard, Nimmo, uh, Seth Lugo, uh, J.D. Davis. I mean, so, you know, they, they took care of the guys they needed to take care of. Uh, Matt was really the only, uh, I guess you could call it a surprise, although I still think uh, it's the right move. 45 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call as we uh, head down the home stretch here on a Thursday morning. Don't forget, tomorrow morning at uh, 9.30, Dan Zampano will join us as he does every Friday to talk NFL football. It'll be interesting to get his thoughts on uh, uh, that Ravens-Steelers game from last night as well as uh, uh, Roger Goodell's uh, uh, attitude, I guess, towards the whole coronavirus thing. So we'll talk about that with him tomorrow morning at 9.30. Uh, other baseball news from yesterday, the uh, Marlins reached agreement with Jesus Aguilar to return to the team. It's a one-year deal for uh, $4.3 million. Uh, they also signed uh, Garrett Cooper to a one-year $1.9 million deal. The Marlins declined to offer a contract uh, to Ryan Stanek, a guy who came over from uh, uh, Tampa Bay, who, who was awful. I mean, it was, again, I don't know how much to read out of this. Stanek was pretty good when he was with the Rays, but uh, in 10 innings with the Marlins last year, had an ERA of seven. So uh, the Marlins decided uh, it wasn't worth it, so they let him go. But uh, Aguilar coming back, that's a a big bat back in the lineup for the Marlins. Uh, The Brewers yesterday made a trade, uh, sent Corey Knable to the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, for a player to be named later. Uh, Knable... Is a guy that, uh, you know, he's had a couple of decent seasons. His best year was in 2017. Uh, he had 39 saves and uh, pitched to a 178 ERA in 76 appearances. But here we go again. You know, how much do we think about it? Last year, 15 games, he had an ERA of six. So, yeah, again, uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. But uh, uh, this just adds to the bullpen depth that the Dodgers have. And uh, they got him cheap. 
So uh, a good move by the Los Angeles Dodgers there. A uh, bit of a surprising move yesterday. The Baltimore Orioles cut ties with Hanser Alberto. Alberto was their starting second baseman last year. Uh, he hit 283. Uh, you know, three homers, 22 runs batted in, a 698 OPS in 54 games. Uh, you know, uh, solid second baseman. And now, you know, the other thing the Orioles did yesterday was they traded their shortstop, Jose Iglesias. So now your defense up the middle in Baltimore is gone. Your starting second baseman has been now a free agent. And then they traded Jose Iglesias to the Orioles for a couple of prospects. Uh, Iglesias was uh, their best offensive player last year, 373 uh, three homers, 17 runs batted in. Again, I guess I know it was only 39 games. He had a couple of injuries, but he had the highest average in the major leagues amongst players with at least 100 plate appearances. He didn't qualify for the batting title, but he still had a nice year. Uh, and uh, Perry Manassi and the new Angels GM said that uh, they expect him to be an everyday player. So what does that tell you? It tells you that uh, Andrelton Simmons is gone. Simmons a free agent, and they are not going to try to bring him back. Uh, because uh, they thought it was going to be too much money. So now Iglesias becomes the new starting shortstop uh, for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. If you are Iglesias, you have to be thrilled. Uh, look, he's kicked around. He's a bit of a, uh, I don't want to say he's a loud mouth, but he's, you know, he sometimes doesn't know when to shut his mouth. But this is a guy that's kicked around. This is his fifth team in nine seasons, and that tells you a lot. There's a reason for that. He started with Boston. Uh, then he went to Detroit. He made the all-star team in, in Detroit uh, in 2015. He's also played for Cincinnati and Baltimore, and now it will be uh, the Angels. So uh, the, the Orioles have gutted the middle of their, their infield. Um, uh, the one thing the Orioles did do yesterday, they uh, re-signed Trey Mancini, which, by the way, Trey Mancini supposedly is cancer-free. He missed the entire season undergoing cancer treatment, and whatever they did seemed to have worked, and uh, uh, he will be back. Anthony Santander was also offered a contract uh, before the deadline, uh, and they also re-signed catcher Pedro Severino. He's going to get 1.8, and uh, infielder Yomar Sanchez, uh, who is, uh, well, Sanchez is probably going to be uh, their new starting second baseman. Sanchez actually won a gold glove at second base with the White Sox in 2019, so uh, I assume they are going to just hand him the second base job. And uh, I don't know who's playing shortstop for the Orioles next year. Um, as far as the Angels go, uh, they also offered contracts to uh, Shohei Otani. Dylan Bundy, by the way, Dylan Bundy, another guy who came from the Orioles, had a great year last year. Bundy, who wasn't so great for the Orioles, but he went 6-3 and three with a 3-2-9 last year and actually finished ninth in the Cy Young voting. So... Uh, if you're, I'm sure Oriole fans are going, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, a couple other things. Uh, Tony Lasorda is out of intensive care, which is great. He's still in the hospital, but uh, he uh, is out of intensive care. 93 years old, uh, has had uh, some heart issues, and uh, he was, uh, a lot of people thought he was on his, uh, you know, on his way out last week, but uh, out of intensive care, so that's good news. Speaking of 93 years old, Vince Scully turned 93 years old on Tuesday. My role model, uh, as far as a play-by-play broadcaster, uh, he is the best ever. Uh, still miss him. Still miss him. Uh, Tony La Russa is going to change his plea in his uh, drunken driving arrest. 
Uh, he had originally pled not guilty uh, to uh, – uh, to the charges, but he, uh, he is scheduled to uh, change his plea on December 21st. It's a misdemeanor, um, but I guess uh, he probably has reached some kind of a deal with them and uh, probably between the White Sox officials and the uh, legal officials down in Arizona trying to figure out a way to do this so that he can still coach the team and uh, limit the amount of uh, a PR nightmare to the Chicago White Sox because they obviously took uh, – uh, quite a hit when you know, the news of his arrest got out. Uh, locally, basketball back on tap tonight. The uh, University of Connecticut will be uh, in Bubbleville, in part of Mohegan Sun's Bubbleville. Uh, they will play USC tonight, University of Southern California. It is the first time uh, these two teams have ever met in men's basketball. Uh, UConn comes in 2-0. and wins against uh, local opponents like, uh, you know, Hartford and Central Connecticut. USC uh, has had a bit more of a challenging schedule early on, but they are 3-0. and uh, They beat B- BYU by 26 points on Tuesday. BYU shot just 27% from the floor. Uh, UConn is going to have their hands full tonight. This is a huge USC team. Uh, up front, they are 6'8", 7 feet, and 6'10". So UConn is definitely going to be outsized for the first time this year. Um, So they are going to have to rely a lot on their front court depth tonight um, because they just don't have the size. Uh, USC is also a team that's shooting over 50% from the floor, 53% to be exact, and they're shooting 36% from threes. So uh, it is going to be an interesting game for UConn tonight. Southern Cal's defense also very good. They are allowing opponents to shoot just 36% uh, from the floor on the season. So, um, yeah, going to be a tough one, I think, for the Huskies tonight. But they will play tonight against Southern Cal, and then they will play again coming up on Saturday. Uh, So a couple of UConn games here in uh, the next three days. That is going to do it for us here this morning. Again, we'll be back tomorrow morning with another edition of the Wake Up Call, Dan Zampano at 9.30. Hope you can join us. We leave you this morning with some holiday music from Blake Shelton. This is Home uh, featuring Michael Buble. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.